0: It's joy. Now, now I think I think that Drew and John are picking on me. You know what Drew calls me? The curmudgeon. I a joy is not located in my personality. It's not, I am not naturally joyful. I am naturally morose. And so how fitting. How fitting. How fitting then, especially since we don't want to talk about our joy, do we? We want to talk about God's joy. So that's the Holy Spirit's joy. Let's take a look. Let's read this wonderful text. Now, But I guess I should prep you just for a moment, just for a moment. All across the Old Testament, represented by these lights here, these are Old Testament prophecies. Well, one of the lights of the Old Testament are these moments when the people of God come alive. It, it, just, it It's cyclical. It happens every couple of centuries, or, or a long period of time can go by. And, when, and then suddenly, things change. Things move. Something happens. And this is one of those events. This is just after the exile. The, the, all these people have returned to, to their homes, actually the homes of their fathers and grandfathers, And they're just beginning to return to God. Let's read. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink sweet wine, and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to our Lord, and, and do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be quiet, for this day is holy, do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and to make great rejoicing. Because they had understood the words that were declared to them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let me pray. Father, I, I ask for the anointing and the, and the power of your spirit. I, how dare I preach or attempt to preach or speak on your behalf if I am not filled and endowed by you to do the work. But Father, I'm not the only one who needs you in this we all need you. We all are in such deep need of the Holy Spirit. And we ask for his coming, his work in all of us. Let's have, let's have joy in your word together, Father. Forgive the, the sins of the one who speaks, because there are so many. In Jesus' name, amen. This isn't my translation. Kayla, you didn't do my translation. Hi, yi yi I was reading it thinking, I thought I did that differently. I thought I did that differently. That's okay. It's all good. All right, so we'll, we'll talk about joy, okay? And so the joy topic, I think, deserves an immediate question. I'm not the only one who's not a joyful Christian. Am I? I mean, I, I think a lack of joy is, is a pretty powerful characteristic of modern Christianity and the way it's expressed, the way it's experienced, the way you see it, the way it's perceived by the world out there. I don't think we look really joyful. <laughs> I, I, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe some of you do. I know I know. I do. And so that, that concerns me. And, 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 I, and, and so the I, I, so first thing I do whenever I'm studying something, whenever I want to study something, I was given this topic, is to look up the words. Look up the words. Look up the Hebrew and Greek words. Sometimes there's so much depth in the words. Sometimes the words begin to tell you things that we don't really have in our language even. But that's not true with this word. This, this one is not one of those words. If this word joy in Hebrew and in Greek means the same thing it means in English. Having a good time. Feeling good. Feeling happy. Feeling pot. Joy. It's the experience. It's the feeling. It's the, it's the sensation. It's that... It's, it, we all know what, it's pleasure. It's pleasure. It, it's not a complex idea at all in the Bible. It's a very simple, they use all the same words we all use. And the reason I think this is so important, the reason I think this is so important is because there has to be something else then. There has to be something that makes God's joy different than ours. There has to be, and I wonder in myself, why do we have such a problem with joy? Like, Seriously, uh, two things that concern me about this. First of all, you all possess the logic of grace. Maybe some of you have not yet embraced Christ as Savior, but if you've been around the church and the things it says and, and the way it talks, there's a logic there, isn't there? Follow me here. An eternal God reaches out to love sinners who rejected him and, and doing so sacrifices everything for them and loves them with an abandon and an eternity and a purity that, 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 that transforms us. The logic of joy is right there, it should be there. We should be alive with what our faith must mean and what it implies, right? It just, it just it, it seems like such a, like a natural response. But I don't. I see no joy. I don't see, I, I don't see joy in these ideas. The ideas themselves tell us we should be joyful, but we're not. Why? Okay, well, that's, that's one question. The other question is, how are we constantly tricked by the joys of this world? You know, it's funny. Not only do we not have joy in what looks like the logic of God's endless love, Somehow that logic's not compelling to us, it's not changing us, and our attitudes, and our experiences. But not only that, we're suckers for the world's joys. Am I the only one? <laughs> I mean, and, and we, all know, we all know these things, what do we know? The joys of this world, the joys you had Wednesday, or maybe Friday night at my house, or it, joys you had over a glass of wine, or wherever you would have been, we all know those joys don't last. They have that fleeting temporary. You know, you know moments of joy when you get it? You, you want to stay there because you know it'll evaporate. It'll, some crisis will come and it'll disappear. We also know the joys of this world, the joys of wine, the joys of drugs, or all those kinds of joys. Well, they, they give with one hand, and what do they do with the other? Take, take more. So many of the joys of this world take more than they give, don't they? They give you something not enough the third thing about them is that they're completely and utterly circumstantial right they're all they're all controlled by where you are what you, how you feel about yourself what the sun whether the sun's shining today yeah we are we are in a sense conditionally joyful all the time we're constantly conditionally going from one state a state of joy or not joy all the time in the joys of this world the pleasures the fun of this world but we, uh, we constantly look again and again for something permanent and transcendent and lasting in those joys. And it doesn't work. But we constantly, we keep going back. Don't you ever get, don't you ever get disgusted with yourself how often you go back to empty joys? Am I the only one? It's amazing. We exhaust ourselves. So, all right, this is what I am going to talk about. The joy of the Lord is your strength. I going to talk about Holy Spirit joy. You see, I think there's something I want to talk about, I want to be a part of, I want to invite you into supernatural joy. You see, the joy of the Bible is actually of a category that does not exist in this world naturally in any sense. And this is the place where I think this, this, this teaching really can invite us in. But, let's, but if we're going to actually be serious about this statement, about the joy of the Lord being our strength, if we're going to be serious about God's joy, Holy Spirit joy, then we have to be serious. We have to do it. We have to adopt the way the Scriptures present this joy to us. We have to learn from it. Because this is the joy I want. This is the joy I need. I need, super, I need an invasion of joy. I need a joy invasion in here of something supernatural from the Holy Spirit. Anybody going to pray for me right now while I'm preaching? Seriously, we should be praying for me while I'm speaking so that I can have that joy too and I can share it with you. Let's pray that the Holy Spirit begins to open it up. Now, how can we, and I think this text will begin to set us on a path towards that supernatural joy the joy of the Lord the joy of the I am the joy of Yahweh the joy of Jehovah I need a supernatural joy so powerfully I can't get my head around not only am I personally disposed against joy I'm disposed towards all sorts of horrible things so Holy Spirit guide us now so uh, how where does this particular passage of joy begin you know it's funny what supernatural joy begins It begins in pain. I think this is one of the reasons why supernatural joy is so foreign to us, and for some of us, we avoid it. Because the joy of God, the joy that is of the Holy Spirit, the joy that is in him, it begins at a pain point. That's, That's where it starts. The joy of the Lord comes and begins in conviction. And that's where we're going to begin to, that's, I'm hungry for this, y'all. It was interesting, uh, somebody, I preached on conviction last week, and a woman in our church sent me an email this week, this past week, saying, our prayers were beginning to be answered as she was beginning to experience a sense of conviction again about sin. (sighs) Is conviction possible in this generation? Is it possible to get, to feel conviction? Well, let's take a look. Let's see if we can, what we can learn from this text. Because conviction then begins, or the possibility of conviction begins when you're reading your Bibles. That's what they're doing, by the way. You know, not everybody would have had books back then. You wouldn't have had a book at all. But, they, but for the first time in a generation, the leaders of the, of the ancient people of God were just opening a Bible and just reading and explaining. In fact, part of the problem here. Most of the Old Testament is written in Hebrew, right? But at this point in history, when they get back from the exile, they're now speaking Aramaic. Now Aramaic, it's like the difference between Portuguese and Spanish. Like it's just enough that you can't quite follow. It's just enough to make it frustrating. It's just enough you can't quite know what they're saying, or there's enough confusion could enter in. So they had to explain everything. But it's a return to what? To the Word of God. All right, do you want joy? Do you want supernatural joy? We have to return to this. And to the conviction that only it can create by the Holy Spirit. I get excited about this. Conviction. But then, you know, we need that data. Because most of us don't even know what sin is. Like We don't even know what the rules of God are. We don't have an imagination that has captured the holiness of God. So therefore... Conviction just never really bites. I mean, I'll give you an example here. Uh, do you know the difference between guilt and conviction? Now, many of us feel a lot of guilt. I, I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe you don't even know it's guilt. Uh, this modern, the modern age tells you that is a social construct, right? Maybe you tell yourself, oh, I, I'm just feeling funny because our society disapproves of the way I'm acting or what I did or or maybe you're saying, maybe, maybe you just think about it as a neurosis or, 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 or a pathology you struggle with. Yeah. Maybe an anxiety. So often I think, even, my, even, his, even as a pastor, I'm not paying attention to guilt. I just feel guilty. I just feel bad for the person I am. But guilt, I don't know, what do you guys do for guilt? I just lie down. I usually lie down until it goes away, right? Guilt guilt can be managed. I mean, it can be swayed. It can be softened. There are a lot of joys in this city that are specifically there to deal with the guilt problem of this city. Amen? Do you know liquor sales in San Francisco are the highest per capita in the country? Hard liquor, hard liquor in particular. wonder what's being masked there. But conviction's different. Conviction's when you can't any longer tolerate what you're doing. In other words, there's a stop where you you suddenly, I'll give you an example. Uh, You know, have you ever done this where uh, where you, you pick up something hot and what do you do? I've done that. I did that in the kitchen one time when I was cooking. I used to work in kitchens. And I remember, I'm sorry, sorry, Stephen. And I remember taking a hot plate and throwing it in the air because I picked it up by accident. Now, that recoil, that, ah, that's conviction. It's when sin all of a sudden is, it's distasteful and repulsive and ugly. And you must do something about it. This is a work of the Holy Spirit. And it can't be faked. It can't be manipulated. It can't be wound up. It can't be, it, it just, it can't, it can't be earned or even deserved. It must come by the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Pray for conviction and read your Bibles. That's, that's, that's what this is teaching, right? And the possibility of joy, now becomes real. Isn't it weird that you had to go up to go, to go down to go up? Well, it's always like that in the kingdom, right? <laughs> in other words, the, the, the joy comes on the other side of the one thing we're afraid of, being deeply convicted about the, the terrible things that we do and think and say. I'm hungry for conviction. And you, we should be praying for one another that the hardness of our hearts the way this lawless time has made us grow cold, we would be convicted about this. We would have to do something. In other words, uh, it demands, it becomes an intolerable burden. It demands a response. That's the presence of the joy of the I am. The joy of the Holy Spirit, supernatural joy. And this is its groundwork. This is where it becomes possible, because what does it do next? Let's take a look at the, uh, the Levites. It's kind of fun here. So this is the first day of the seventh month, which means it's April for them. And and the seventh month, the people of God, in the first day was supposed to be the Feast of Trumpets. Now, they hadn't been doing any of that. And then a few days later, they do the Day of Atonement. And then a few days after that, in the middle of the seventh month, seventh month, 15th day, they have the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, all this, they're, they're about to go do all this. You see there in verse 10, he said to them, go your way eat the fat and drink sweet wine. He's telling them, you're going to go celebrate this feast day, this this feast of trumpets. But I want you to see in verse 9. This day is holy to the Lord. Look again in verse 10. For this day is holy to our Lord. Don't be grieved. Then look again in verse 11. Be quiet. Hush now. It's more tender than that. Hush now. This day is Holy, this is a holy day. What what, what does this mean? And why why is this a part of the path towards supernatural joy? Well, they're being invited to the sacrificial acts that are a part of the people of God. Sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. Now, what does sacrifice look like in the Old Testament? All right, I got my little lamb. I bring my lamb up, and I bring it up to a priest. The priest takes it. And he's, he's going to cut it right up in front of me. He's going to open, cut out his entrails. He's going to do something with the entrails. He's going to put some on the a blow on the altar in different parts. He's going to burn some of it. And then you know what he's going to do? He's going to say, all right, let's eat. And Whereas you sit down with the priest and you'd eat. You'd eat the thing you just brought. You would eat of the of this sacrifice. Ooh, that's, it's just kind of beautiful. Even though you're sacrificing something, You get to partake of it with the priest. So you sit down for a meal and you eat the lamb you just brought. Oh, but this day is holy to the Lord. This day is holy to the Lord. This day is holy to the Lord. What's going on? why, why, Why the holiness? This is a sacrifice day. So what is happening here is we're being invited into the joy of the holy love of God when he offered his sacrifice of his son. You see, they're right here, they're, they're, they're in the practice period of the people of God. They're in practice mode. You know what practice mode means? You sacrifice a lot of animals. And guess what? The sacrificing of the animals doesn't do you any good other than fill in your belly when you eat them afterwards, right? That's the only function that a dead animal has is to feed you. It doesn't save you. But it's practice, practice, practice. Blood, blood, blood. Practice for what? Jesus, the Son of God, the perfect Lamb, who was coming to take away the sin of the world. Praise Him! Now, that's why the Levites are telling this day is holy. This is a holy. This is a holy day of joy. What, what is this? What is what he saying? There's nothing more holy than grace. <laughs> that's what it is. That's why it's so. There's nothing more holy than our God's grace. What's its grace? This is His love for sinners. They say, God said, I have such a love for sinners, I want to redeem them, buy them back, and and cleanse them, and I'm going to offer my son, if they will trust my son, if they will trust in him, I'll give them eternal life, I'll free them from their guilt and shame, and I will give them what? Joy! You see, you're a part, they're a part, of how the Holy Spirit does the real work of joy. And by first bringing conviction... But that conviction was just a setup for you to fall in love with Jesus. <laughs> that God's love for sinners is real in the world, and it's for us. It's for folks who walked far away from God and are on their way back. It's for folks who have to start at the bottom, hearing the words of God again. Isn't that hopeful to you and me? Doesn't that sound like hope to you and me? That these ancient folks could find their hope again? And the joy of the Lord is their strength. All right, so what is this an invitation to right, right here in this, in this moment? Uh, I guess it was, we're being invited to grab God's grace with both hands and hold on. This is your joy. Having begun with conviction, laying hold of the sacrifice of Jesus for our sins and the love of God it represents, well, that's a ticket to joy. By the Holy Spirit, yes, that is a life of joy. That's the possibility of joy. That's something even bigger. That's a joy that has power. You see that? And that's really where this goes. That is the Lord is our strength. The the idea that God loves sinners, Um, this idea of grace that is meant to give us joy when the Holy Spirit reveals to us a convicted people how god loves sinners now do you see how this kind of now there's a possibility here there's a possibility here that put this put think of it this way you get to know god you get to know god you're going to discover more as you know god about your sin so your sin is going to deepen your knowledge of sin is going to deepen it's going to get worse it's going to lead to by the spirit conviction what is conviction going to do conviction's going to get you grabbing grace with both hands he who has been forgiven much loves much, right? You're chasing God with both hands because conviction drives you to that. And you really have a beautiful feedback loop possibility here. Because now as I grab him with both hands, what do I discover as I look at God, as I look at his grace, as I look at his love, as I encounter his love? Well, it reveals my ugliness again, right? It reveals again a deeper conviction about how i failed to even tell people about that grace like I should, that sec. You know, pick your Pick whatever sin comes out of that for you. The feedback loop is an invitation. What am I inviting you to in this feedback loop? The work of heaven. Don't you know this is your feedback loop forever, Corey? <laughs> this is it. This is it. We're being invited now, and these folks are participating in the joy of heaven. This is the joy of the I am. This is the joy of the Holy Spirit, and they're participating in the joy of heaven where we get to discover the depths of God's love for sinners. We just sit there and go, really? Really? Because we'll see ourselves as we truly are. We'll be amazed, overwhelmed. We will be creatures of pure joy. <laughs> because we'll know these things. Well, I'll talk about this last thing, joy being our power and our strength. Because there's something here that I want to hold on to in the Holy Spirit, or I wanted to make real in me. You know how Peter talks about? A joy indescribable, and a life indestructible, where we are born of We are born again of a seed imperishable. You know what I hear? I see here. I see a joy working its way through conviction and grace. I see a joy that's invincible. It's invincible. For only if I, even as I discover my failure, when I discover my ruin, I discover the distortion that I live with in my soul. What do I know now? I'm loved. I'm loved. I'm loved more deeply than I ever dared imagine. That's that. That that's that's a load of joy right there. That's joy on tap. That's joy. That's joy of square. That's joy forever. Praise him. This word strength here, though, I think it's an unfortunate translation. That word for strength there is the word for a a fortress strength. It's not strength like a mighty power, but it's, it's the strength of safety. It's the strength of refuge. It's the strength of hiding away. And don't you love the idea that God has given us a joy we can hide in, a joy that we can hold on to, a joy that protects us, a joy that's invincible? See, this is now transcendent. What the Holy Spirit can bring and do, does, is possible for us. Don't you want it? Don't you? I will do anything for it. Anything, y'all. I'm serious. What do you think? I get up here and dance around just to amuse people? This is life and death. This is it. Our God's offering us joy. (laughs) Praise Him. I... The, uh, and this joy creates now its powers. It does create action. They go on to confess sin. They go on to obey God in new ways they hadn't in generations. We that could happen to us when the joy of the Lord is our strength, when the Holy Spirit and supernatural joy invades. Father invade. Uh, have you ever heard the proverb talk about curmudgeon? Right here. I'll give you a view into my, a view into the sallow evil of my heart. Have you ever heard the proverb? It's about beautiful women. I, this is the proverb, book of Proverbs. It's one of my favorite proverbs. And this is why the proverb wrote in the book of Proverbs. It says that when a beautiful woman is easy, when she, when she lacks moral character, it compares her to this. She's like a pig with a diamond ring, a gold ring in her snout. In other words, their beauty is the, is the ring. And God sometimes gives beauty to people who are inwardly what? Pigs. Um, I've always thought that that's a description of me. And ministry. Not that I'm beautiful, no. I mean, <laughs> sorry. I just realized that must have sounded like I, do, I am vain, but that's what what I'm talking about. Huh? But uh, no, no, I mean, the ministry God's given me, the privilege to preach, I, I ask him, why would you put a gold ring in the snout of a pig? You know, God blessed me to plant a church over the years and to be a part of ministry and people coming to Christ. You know, and I keep going back to, why would you put a gold ring in the snout of a pig? That's me. And so I have to, I regularly struggle with quitting this job, just running away because I'm so scared of just how I'm going to screw it up. I'm such a bad, and I'm such a, I'm the pig, and God has blessed me with it. And then I come to this teaching, and my heart lifts up, it's, it, my heart lifts up again. And I realize, no I'm not, I'm one of the sons of the Most High, one of the loved ones, he cherished me, he adores me, he loves me, he has pursued me, his son died for me, he washes away all this iniquity, all that piggishness has been forgiven and cleansed in the blood of Jesus. So my conviction, my conviction truly leads to grace, amen? You all, now, this final point then, this is all in the plural, It's really interesting, it's been noted that the, the plural people happens more in this little text than anywhere else in that book of in the book of Nehemiah. This is something we gotta to do together. That's one of the reasons I'm excited about what God is doing among us, doing among us as pastors together. Because I think this is a promise to all of us together. It's not about me being some suit, it's about us being together having an in, invincible hope, an invincible joy, and us encouraging one another. You know one of these why I'm so blessed by Drew and blessed by John? It's because they tell me I'm not a pig. I believe I'm, you know, that's all I believe about myself. They share with me grace in the gospel. And that is our work. That is our work. Now, look at this. Go your way, eat the fat, drink sweet wine, send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. That's how they did it back then. We seal it up in little cups now. (laughs) Isn't it funny how the communion table is an application of this? If you have been convicted of sin and you have a new joy in the Holy Spirit because of his love and grace, get to that table. That's your table. That's your feast. Come feast with me because I'm going to feast on God's love today. How about you? Have you accepted Christ as your Savior? Feast with me like they feasted with him and we will all feast together. You know that? We're going to feast with them in the kingdom of our Father. (laughs) I can't wait. I can't wait. Praise him.